Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 304 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for an episode all about electrolytes. So this is a really hot topic, especially right now in the summertime. And if you're in Texas, like we are dealing with 100 plus degree temperatures for like months on end since May. Um, yes. Sweating all the time. You're going to want to listen up. Uh, so today we'll be covering what electrolytes are, what they do in the body, drivers of electrolyte depletion and who's at risk for depletion and our favorite natural solutions, including things you can make and things that you can purchase and have on hand in your household. Yes. And again, beyond even summertime, this is a really important episode for anyone that is a regular exerciser, sauna user, and in the whole world of cardiovascular health. We will talk about the impact of what electrolytes truly are and how they impact our cardiovascular rhythm. Yes. So, you know, we'll go through symptoms of electrolyte deficiency as well as who's at risk for deficiency. And this is one that I especially think of with aging parents, a lot of them being on hypertensive medications such as diuretics and diuretic drugs often in reducing the fluid retention in the body are also pulling out the important minerals that are necessary to balance electrolyte stability. So there are some potassium sparing diuretics out there on the market. Some are not potassium sparing Mm -hmm. and either way, it's not magnesium sparing or sodium sparing. So we'll get into all that in today's episode. It's gonna be a really important one to listen to, maybe take some notes on. And as always, we keep pretty copious amounts in our show notes. So you can always go wherever you're listening, whether that is Google Play or Spotify or iTunes. If you click in the details of the episode, you'll be able to read all of our show notes, including links to the products discussed. And whenever you're on your application of where you're listening, take a moment and leave us a five-star review. Always super helpful. And especially at times when it's important for us to share medical truth at times of censorship, love hearing positive feedback for our bravery and uh, just knowing that you're out there listening and you're enjoying our show. Yes, it's been mostly positive recently, so we'll have to share some reviews or do like a special something for somebody. We should have done that on episode three hundred. We should have, but But. um, we'll we'll look and (laughs) do that soon. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk for a second about our upcoming back to school webinar. So mark your calendar, guys, for eight seventeen or August seventeenth. We will be doing a back to school webinar um, and this will be a 75 minute jam-packed class with Allie and myself moderating um, and we're going to cover everything from immune health what you should have in your medicine cabinet especially with the recent surges and fear-mongering again <laughs> coming up we're not done with this silly devoc thing yet nope um <laughs> If we ever will be, Uh, but what to have in your medicine cabinet as your kids transition back to school, because we know they're going to pass 
germs around. There's always more cold and viral illness. Um, so what to have on hand for your whole family. And then everything from supporting cognition and concentration and focus yes. with diet and supplementation to just the bare bones of like how to pack a balanced snack, how to pack a balanced lunch, how to deal with a school that's maybe not as like on board with food as medicine. And we'll talk about our experiences right. and writing all the emails and anything all the from packing your own lunches and snacks to advocating for elimination of particular ingredients or even advocating down to the level of the cleaning products that are used yes. in your daycare yep. or school facility. So lots of awesome resources for you. We're doing this for you guys free because we want to give you mamas all of the information that you need to feel armed, ready, and take on that mama bear role to protect your household. And then if you want to dive deeper, we're offering you guys $100 off our Food as Medicine for the Whole Family program. So that offering, we're starting now. We're going to start talking about it in a couple weeks, but for you podcast listeners, we're offering it a little bit early. It's the code back to school, just B-A-C-K-T-O-S-C-H-O-O-L. And when you put that in at checkout with a purchase of the Food is medicine for the whole family program you will save a hundred dollars and that brings this program down to 99 dollars. is that right and this is five hours of original recorded content just for this program a hundred plus organized curated resources so we go through the entire life cycle all the way from fertility and baby led weaning through advanced aging and structural health like bone density and inflammatory joint support and as Becky mentioned all of the immune elements we have a lot of content about really navigating a clean eating approach in the real world so whether we're talking about dining out or cleaning out your pantry or meal planning grocery store guidance and label lingo all of that is jam-packed into this program and broken down into easy digestible modules So you have lifetime access to this course. Um, It will also help you to understand of each member in your household. There's a lot of um, different interactive handouts and worksheets, 20 plus materials that you can print and download. And we'll walk you through the importance of your macros. So your carbs, your protein, and your fat. And then understanding based on the activity factors, the body composition, and the age. Are they in an active growing stage or a teenage stage? Or are these adults in your household? What types of macro ranges would likely be appropriate for each household member? So you can use that when you're strategizing their optimal eating plan. And then we even have a couple fun videos with our kids featured. So Noah's in the baby led weaning video way back in the day Uh, and then um, (laughs) Stella is helping out in a couple videos including how to be a taste adventurer which is really important to help your children to understand if they're not accepting flavor profiles like bitter or they're not eating their protein Um, really bringing them to the table and helping to educate and empower them versus having a frustration um, effect or being a short ordered cook or knowing that you're not providing your child the best service for their optimal health Um, we have a module also so beyond immune on ADHD and mood balance. Uh, so just an awesome program. We're super proud of it. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's called Food as Medicine for the Whole Family. It is over at AllieMillerRD.com and you can use the code BACKTOSCHOOL to save $100 off. 
All right, let's have a quick word for our sponsor from this episode, Fond Bone Broth, which is a perfect fit for our talk about electrolytes. Absolutely. So Fond provides you a sippable delivery of electrolytes, which would be a really great way to stabilize and balance. Uh, Fond is truly wellness well-made, and they make our favorite bone broth that is shelf-stable. Uh, everything from the way that they procure their ingredients, including artisan well water that's tested daily for minerals and excellence, all the way through their selection of their bones and uh, meats from using uh, cage-free chickens and grass-fed beef bones, as well as local and organic or sustainable produce. They pair all of this goodness in a slow-simmered bone broth that's traditionally made and does a nice jiggle when cold, so you know you're getting that collagen and gelatin. Uh, We're also going to get some salt. They use Redmond Real Salt. We'll be talking about them today as well in all of their batches, so you're getting a good, dense mineral salt. Um, And then you're getting really key superstar amino acids in bone broth. So we're getting glycine, which is really important for neuromuscular release in the body. Glycine also can make GABA, which is a mellower outer neuroinhibitory compound for our brain. So something great to sip in the morning if you have a high stress day instead of coffee that's going to jack you up or at the end of the night to kind of mellow out and calm down and ease into a restful evening. Also, we're going to get glutamine, which is an amino acid, which is a fuel source for our gut cells, aiding in protecting against leaky gut and supporting gut repair. And then we're also getting cysteine, which is a powerful compound that is a high antioxidant that also works as an expectorant to clear out mucus and phlegm. Uh, So all of that synergy in their beautiful artisan jars and their flavor profiles are what really takes it to the next level because even in 100 degree weather in Texas, you can enjoyably sip on fond bone broth in fact becky and i are busting out like two to three episodes and right after this one we're going to be heating up a mug ourselves yes um and i've been really digging uh the turmeric cracked black pepper um the beet poblano serrano blend that we just did uh, a couple nights ago i blended that in with some veggies that i was sauteing um i love their um spring clean um, with the lemon and the radish all of their their flavor profiles are really delightful they're like a health elixir and they're also like a sous chef in your kitchen so you can use them to deglaze pans make sauces great ways to fit bone broth in for the whole household and i promise you it doesn't just taste like hot meat juice it's absolutely vibrant and delicious so go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash ally miller rd when you use the code ally miller rd at checkout that's just a-l-i-m-i-l-l-e-r-r-d you're going to save 15 percent on your order and also that's a great way to let them know that you learned about them through the naturally nourished podcast all right, let's get to it. Starting with an easy question, I guess. Um, what exactly is an electrolyte? We talk about this all the time, right. but let's let's define for listeners what electrolytes are and a little bit more about how they function in the body. Yeah, I think even regular consumers of electrolytes don't fully understand that an electrolyte is a substance that actually conducts electricity when dissolved in water. So electrolytes play an essential role in a number of functions in the body. They interact with other cells in the tissues, nerves, and muscles. So that electrical signaling is going to play a role with your muscle conduction or release. Um, As I mentioned, cardiovascular function we see when we're looking at, for instance, an EKG. We're looking at the rhythm of the heart and electrolytes play a huge role in regulating optimal rhythm. 
We know that a balance of electrolytes is absolutely crucial for bodily function. And we break down, there's various electrolytes, but the kind of big stars of the show, the, the first one that we think of is sodium, which really helps to keep your cells properly hydrated and supports healthy muscle and nerve function. We'll talk about intracellular and extracellular fluid and why fluid regularity in the cells when we're saying cell hydration, what that means a little bit deeper in today's episode. Potassium is probably the next one that we think of as a star of the show, and this plays a role with nerve, muscle, and cardiovascular function. Chloride helps to keep the cells also hydrated and plays a role with healthy blood volume and blood pressure levels. Magnesium is an essential electrolyte that aids in muscle and nerve function and helps our cells to be able to create usable energy. It plays a role with energy metabolism of fuel. And then calcium, also an electrolyte that plays a role with muscle and nerve function, blood clotting, and even hormone balance. Okay, I think that's helpful just to like break down the, the main ones we're going to be talking about today. And we'll talk and cover more on like food sources of each of those individual electrolytes and how they kind of all balance each other out in a little bit. Um, let's get to just some common symptoms of electrolyte imbalance. So like things to look for on the early side of, of electrolyte imbalance and then things that can happen when we have a severe imbalance. Yes. So the first thing we tend to think about with electrolyte imbalance is going to be like a muscle tick or twitch. Um, So like an eye twitch or a spasm, a charley horse. Uh, We can see also muscle weakness. And then if unchecked, thinking of that neurological and muscle impact on the level of seizure or even heart rhythm disturbances, so driving cardiovascular disease. And as I mentioned in the opening, we know that elderly population, both because cellular integrity, so their ability of their cells to hold a good Mm -hmm. intercellular fluid amount, um, is going to play a role with electrolyte imbalance. And then the fact that many older adults are on this polypharmacy or many medications that can disturb electrolyte balance in the body. And we can see electrolyte symptoms of imbalance, whether a level is too high or too low. Um, We can see, again, um, influence in changes of blood pressure even. We can see uh, fatigue throughout the body beyond muscle aches. Um, We can see numbness. We can see mood disorders like confusion and anxiety to be pretty dynamic, including panic attack. Uh, We can see bone disorders over time, nervous system disorders, and then as I mentioned, seizures and convulsions. And then there can be some like early signs that, you know, maybe we're not at a severe level of imbalance yet, but signs that we just need to ramp up or or start to incorporate more electrolytes in your day-to-day, right? So like I think of excessive thirst, even though maybe you're drinking a ton of just, you know, plain water or perhaps it's reverse osmosis water, which we talked about um, how to balance your electrolytes when drinking RO water in our water episode that I'll be sure to link. Yeah, we'll link that for sure. And I see that all the time. Um, and that's why we often say add a solute to your water to actually aid in bringing that water back into your cells. Yes. And so doing like an infusion in your water with sliced strawberries would also give you some of that potassium, um, of course, and antioxidant, um, which would be beneficial. Uh, but we'll also see that if you're having excessive urination or peeing all the time or not peeing enough, Um, That could be a marker of dehydration. Uh, We look at um, headaches to be a big sign of electrolyte imbalance. And um, I think we've touched on that in like our preventing a hangover episode of often, you know, alcohol is a um, 
diuretic. And so alcohol is going to be a dehydrant, if you will, for your body. So getting that hydration and electrolyte back up can be huge as far as headaches are concerned. Um, we can see fluid retention. Um, and so it would get more severe with like pitting edema, mm-hmm. where if you're pressing on your ankles, you're not getting that rebound of turgidity in your skin, but even just noticing like hand swelling or puffiness in general. And then bowels um, are a big place to look. So constipation or seeing smaller dents like rabbit or, or pebble bowel movements. Yeah. Um, and then we can also see electrolyte issues actually with diarrhea and really sure. loose stool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this can be seen especially with high heat exposure where individuals are then having kind of like a purging effect yep. because the colon is one of the main areas where we regulate our electrolytes. We think of the kidneys and the colon as the two primary organs of focus there. Yeah, totally. Um, so what can, you know, beyond just sweating and being in the heat in Texas, um, what can cause electrolyte imbalance in the first place? Let's talk maybe about some of the um, risk factors. Sure. So like you said, sweating would be a big one. And especially if you aren't repleting with mm-hmm. electrolytes. Um, so especially if someone is, for instance, exercising fasted and they're not licking salt or doing electrolytes mm-hmm. pre, uh, then they're really not getting any of those electrolytes from their food sources. So they'd be higher susceptible to electrolyte imbalance, which is why we always advocate licking salt kind of first thing in the morning, even regardless of your exercise protocol. Um, so low levels of electrolytes and um, hydration status after exercise is a big factor. We also look at individuals during illness, especially like if they had a gut infection or if they're having a IBS flare or IBD where they're having a lot more diarrhea or loose stool. Again, they're not getting that reabsorption because there's too fast of transit time in the colon or with foodborne illness, vomiting can definitely throw off electrolyte balance and can exacerbate vomiting. It's kind of one of those chicken and eggs. I've seen some children that deal with this like vasovagal neurological imbalance with their autonomic nervous system. And once electrolytes go off, that's when they start vomiting. Um, That cyclical vomiting syndrome can be driven by that. Uh, poor diet, of course. If you're eating just dead processed foods, you're not going to be getting a lot of those key nutrients that we noted. Um, if you have an imbalance of your acid and base in the body, and so if you are consuming too high of an acidic diet, the kidneys are too busy working on balancing out that alkalinity in the body, and that can throw off the kidney's ability to regulate your electrolyte status. So that's why we really advocate for leafy greens mm-hmm. and such. Um, congestive heart failure can drive electrolyte imbalance, cancer treatment most definitely, Uh, many drugs in the diuretic family and in the cardiovascular family world can drive electrolyte imbalance. And then um, again, kidney disease or anything like in the colon meaning, so if we're talking about Crohn's disease or colitis, um, ulcerative colitis, these would be a big risk factor. And then as we age, just general aging is gonna be an impact both because of cellular integrity as well as the fact that kidney function becomes reduced or um, is going to be impaired over age just with use and intensity. Yep. And then I would add to that list of like who's at risk for imbalance. So kids, elderly athletes, we mentioned um, pregnancy, we can see um, just with the fluid volume increases in the body. And I feel that this summer, especially if I don't stay on top of my electrolytes, I'll end up with like wicked Charlie horses at night that wake me up. And it's the worst, like to the point where I can still feel it two days later, uh, that like severe calf or, or upper thigh cramping. Um, so pregnancy is a big and time. Breastfeeding, yes, I would say. Breastfeeding. I've never been so thirsty in yes. my life <laughs> uh, as like three days, you know, when your milk comes in, it was like the whole delivery process for me was very much like 
fluid intensive in terms of vomiting, diarrhea, like not being able to keep anything down. Um, and then three days later, I was like ordering the biggest water bottle I could find. Byron's like, you're crazy. Like, what are you yeah, I, doing? But I've never been so thirsty in my life. Even as someone that advocates against plastic, I got one of these because I was at Memorial Hermann Hospital uh, with an emergency C-section. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it was like, this. at least it was 70 something. And this yeah. was like pre big yetis yeah, and yeah. such and i had that on my nightstand for like a solid 14 days oh, yeah. and, and brady was and it had like the bendy straw you know whatever yep. i didn't yep. care because i didn't have to turn my body uh-huh. and with my c-section oh, yeah. um i didn't want to have to like sit up fully so i just lean over with my cranky yep. straw and just <laughs> suck it down for yep. sure yep um so yeah pregnancy breastfeeding for sure um fasting you mentioned kind of going into especially fasted workouts um, but we find that especially extended fasting. That's why we advocate for the bone broth fast versus the pure water fast. And if you are pure fasting, always doing salt during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then individuals doing keto as well yes. are, are at pretty high risk of electrolyte imbalance. You know, in that initial stage, we talk a lot about like keto flu, um, but even ongoing, you know, keto people um, are at risk. Yes. And this is because when we think of the word carbohydrate, when we are consuming carbohydrates in the diet, they are holding more water on us, that word hydrate in there, right? Um, And so we know that within our glycogen storage, we're also storing grams, three grams of fluid per gram of glycogen. And that holds water in our body and that has a role on our electrolyte stability. So when you first especially transition into keto, it's really important to be provigilant with your electrolytes. And that can help to prevent a lot of the side effects of keto flu. We will link um, the episode 238, Coping with Keto Flu and Listener Q&A. Um, and that's where we will see things like heart palpitation, help, heart palpitations, excuse me, or um, arrhythmia. And that can then drive anxiety and make us kind of fall off. And yeah. so ways to support that will also include a blog with some favorite recipes. And then I would add to our list um, individuals dealing with adrenal insufficiency or imbalance of cortisol, especially low cortisol. Um, We tend to just see more electrolyte imbalance. And then if you compound that and you try to do keto or fast when you have adrenal issues, um, I've certainly seen that in myself where I need more electrolytes. Yeah. And that's because the adrenals put out, you know, three different steroidal hormones. So they make your cortisol, which is that primary stress hormone. They make your DHEA, which we talk about pretty regularly. We have a bunch of episodes on that and that's that pro-hormone that can convert into estrogen or testosterone and also plays a role directly on stress resilience and tolerance and muscle mass and even stem cell function in the brain but the other steroidal hormone is aldosterone and aldosterone I think we speak to the least in the world of the adrenals Um, but if you are someone that's dealing with chronic stress you often crave salt Mm -hmm. because aldosterone plays a role with sodium retention in the body and so if aldosterone is suppressed along with your DHEA and your cortisol, which would likely be seen in someone with pretty advanced adrenal insufficiency, then they're going to absolutely require a lot more salt. Yeah. That's always like a screening question um, in our initial intake. Like, do you tend to crave more salty foods? And, and mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we do run a cortisol panel and find those people are kind of flat yes. um, and just need more salt. Um, let's talk a little bit about just this kind of balancing act of hydration and um, we alluded to a little bit the intercellular versus extracellular fluid volume we used to talk a ton about this in clinic because when we used to run our um, in-body scans which is a a BIA or bioelectrical impedance scan um, in the office you could actually get a a value for this intracellular versus extracellular water so we could be like 
hey, you're dehydrated or um, I think this is going on and we need to, you know, balance out your electrolytes. Yes. So I used to, I learned, I believe, early on in my functional medicine training when we were using BIA scans uh, about the this concept of the solution to pollution is dilution. Yes, I remember and, that. And yeah, so always, <laughs> I would always write that or that would be like something I'd make classes say out loud. Uh, and so the concept there is that if you have higher than desirable extracellular fluid, that means that your cells are compromising their integrity, releasing the intracellular fluid to try to aid in excretion of excessive circulating toxin. Um, and so that's a big indicator for need for detox support. And I will say, mm-hmm. as you know, we talk about amending with electrolytes and these food as medicine sources, if we're talking about kidneys playing a big role, you know, also doing a 10 day detox at least quarterly is one way to foundationally enhance how your electrolytes are managed in the body because it will reduce the pull from your cells yes. to dilute yep. or or leak out that extracellular fluid, which will help your body to stabilize electrolytes. And you're getting support for kidney function through yep. the 10-day detox. So I will definitely put a link there and resources that you all can check out if you have not done our 10-day detox. Um, but generally speaking, in an ideal setting, about two-thirds of the water in our body is intracellular or inside of our cells. And then the remaining third is going to be that extracellular. And our body's water is going to be um, compartmentalized along also with these minerals that we've discussed. Um, You'll have an equal balance of salt in the intracellular and the extracellular compartments, except for when you're dehydrated. When you're dehydrated, the salt is going to um, be imbalanced and either decrease or increase in the extracellular or intracellular. And that change will create a shift of water from one to the other. The water is going to follow that solute. Mm -hmm. This is reminding me of like fifth grade science class, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the ones where we've done that, like with the eggshell, right? And you change the environment, yeah. you see if yeah, it yeah. softens and whatnot. Um, and so when the body doesn't have enough water, when the body's in a dehydrated state, the extracellular compartment is going to take water from the intracellular compartment. So the cells are going to kind of shrink, if you like will. Raisins. And, yeah. Releasing, yeah. like, yeah, grape becoming a raisin. I remember that was another thing yeah. we would yeah, draw yeah. to people. If your extracellular is too much, your cells are functioning like raisins, not like plump grapes. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be unfavorable um, because that will influence unfavorably cellular function. Your cell membranes and receptor sites really thrive when we have a good balanced intracellular amount. Um, And when your body has too much water, more water is going to enter in the intracellular compartment and that will cause the cells to kind of swell. And that will give feedback, of course, to the body to urinate um, or to the brain and your thirst receptors Mm -hmm. to not uh, drink as much water. Um, But big picture, there's a lot of mechanisms. There's going to be thirst receptors in our brain. Our kidneys play a big role here. And then our colon plays a big role. And then these cells themselves, based on the minerals that are in the extracellular space, as well as the toxins that are in the extracellular space, will have that exchange mechanism of of in versus outside the cells. Yeah, super cool. And, and, you know, clearly your body's doing this for a reason, right? It's a finely tuned machine. It's really working to preserve that delicate balance and bring the water where it needs to go. But there are ways that we can help this along and help to keep that water where it's supposed to be. Keep our cells as like juicy, beautiful grapes. Um, yes. <laughs> and prevent all those undesirable yes. side yes. effects. Yep. Um, so let's go through maybe um, one by one the electrolytes we called out in the beginning and some of our favorite 
food sources um, to help us maintain this delicate balance. And that's what I love about food too. It's like we're not supplementing with individual electrolytes here. Right. We're getting, you know, a whole bunch of different electrolytes likely from our different food and our foods in synergy throughout the day. And that's really the foundation of where we want you to start versus like going and running out and buying the latest and greatest electrolyte supplement. Absolutely. And I love that word synergy. One of my favorite words, because you'll see some of the food sources that are rich in magnesium, such as let's say avocados right away off the bat, also provide us a rich source of potassium, you know, so it's not this isolated nutrient. We're getting this robust whole food synergy. So magnesium, if we're kicking off with that one, uh, magnesium has, you know, 300 plus different enzymes that it interacts with within the body that plays a role with hundreds of essential bodily processes. And we know that magnesium is the main one that we think of for muscle fatigue and soreness. Um, We think of magnesium in regulating bowel motility and bowel formation even. And we think of magnesium as a big driver in the world of that neuromuscular tension. So beyond like having stiffness in the shoulders and the neck, that would also extend into the world of headaches. And as I mentioned earlier, magnesium of all of these electrolytes plays the most role on our metabolism or the production of energy from Mm -hmm. our food sources. So really key because then that extends to blood sugar control and so much more. Uh, Leafy greens would be the big star of the show here, which is why we're always advocating for about two to three cups of leafy greens daily. The darker the leafy green, the more phyto compounds and density of nutrients. So looking at like lacinato kale, or collard greens, or malbar spinach, which is a fun varietal out here in the south that grows quite well, even in the heat of the summer, Um, using your greens from your beets or your turnips, and then including also um, blends like you might do a a baby kale super green blend in an organic uh, tub mix, and that could work as a base of a salad, of course, as well. I mentioned avocado, nuts and uh, seeds would be huge as well, so especially almonds, cashews, Brazil nuts, even peanuts would be a great choice. Uh, Legumes would be a good source of your magnesium. Uh, If you're doing legumes, we always recommend soaking them first and then cooking them with kombu. Uh, This would be a great technique because kombu is a sea vegetable, which is also going to impart, you know, 300 plus Mm -hmm. different minerals. And you're also going to get a little bit of sodium there as well. And so if you're buying the beans canned, there's a brand called Eden, which already does that for you. So that would be a great kind of synergy approach there. And then looking at fatty fish, so like our salmon, our mackerel, our halibut, um, even bananas, we would think of more dominant in potassium, but they are going to provide us some magnesium. And then my favorite, dark chocolate, yes. which would extend to an 80% chocolate bar as well as cacao uh, nibs or cacao powder. So, you know, doing a smoothie with a couple of these things, maybe throwing in third or half of a banana, half an avocado, some cacao powder, a scoop of our grass-fed whey with some coconut water, you'd really be rocking and rolling. Yes. Um, And then on to chloride, which I don't think it's discussed quite as much. So typically chloride is going to be paired with sodium in like the classic table salt that we think of, right? NaCl or or sodium chloride. Mm -hmm. Um, And so most people just from, you know, bringing in salt and and even more of like the real salt varieties that we'll get to in a second um, are going to get enough chloride in the diet. It's not really one you have to like run and seek out quite as much. Um, But we see, you know, foods that have magnesium also will have some chloride like lettuce and those leafy greens. Um, celery is a good source of both sodium and chloride. Yes. So they're often paired kind of hand in hand. Um, olives are a good source of chloride. 
Seaweed would be a really great um, source of, of chloride, sodium, and then, as you mentioned, 300 plus other minerals mm-hmm. that we're not going to get to talking to about today. So doing like the nori salmon roll-ups with some avocado on there um, would be fantastic for electrolyte balance or doing like sea snacks um, that are done with a clean oil and a little bit of sea salt would be really yummy too. Awesome. And then yes, sodium would come next, which again, if you're eating, whether it's table salt, which we don't advise, and we'll talk to you about that, why, uh, even a whole form Himalayan salt or mineral-based salt, like a sea salt, is going to have both sodium and chloride in its structure. Um, but sodium, I feel like, is still getting a bad rap. I know. I'm not sure what will catch up better, if people will stop demonizing sodium or and, and you know quality salts or fat. I don't know. It's kind of still. I don't know. My yeah, mom know. was just in town for <laughs> two weeks, and I feel like oh, I finally got her food. where she she was making like an egg salad yesterday, and she's like, "Look back, I'm putting salt in it." And I was like, "Well, you need more, but that's that's <laughs> good. That's a good start." And I sent her home with some of the product from our our recent um, keto con party with Redmond Real Salt. I was like, "Please just use this, or at least." have it on hand for like next time I come visit so I don't have to run out and buy salt or bring my own. Fly with it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, you know, obviously salt is going to be the best source of sodium directly. And then we would look at celery again. Uh, We would look at naturally cured meats, which are going to use, again, this is kind of adding salt to a lot Mm -hmm. of these foods. Um, We will see that dairy, especially cheeses, are going to be more in that salt. Um, Thinking of like those raw cheese curds that I'm pretty into recently. Um, And those would also be a great source of potassium. We think of dairy in the potassium family as well. And then even um, eggs and then clams uh, and beets would be good sources here. Uh, going into potassium, this is going to be in a wide variety of whole foods. Generally, produce is what we think of. And so most Americans are not consuming enough live, viable foods. So when you're eating bread and chips and processed products, you're not going to be getting enough sodium. Um, and this is an issue because, excuse me, potassium. Um, this is an issue because potassium, again, plays a huge role with cardiovascular function. So when we're looking at heart health, maybe instead of demonizing the sodium, we need to ensure that we have ample potassium in the diet. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're looking at even like dried fruits as being really good sources here. So like apricots, prunes, dates, Uh, fresh fruit would be a good source as well. So good time in the summer to get in your watermelon or your orange slices, um, cantaloupe, honeydew melon, grapefruit, Uh, looking at produce across the board. So anything from repeating those leafy greens into extending into broccoli and tomatoes, um, even starchy vegetables like your yams and sweet potatoes and Yukon gold potatoes would be great here. Uh, Your summer squashes and zucchini and cucumbers, all fabulous potassium players. And then we're going to get some potassium just like magnesium in the legume family. So what we mentioned with those soaked and using the kombu or the Eden brand of chickpeas or lentils or black beans. And um, again, dairy would also be a good source of the potassium. Okay. Um, And then we didn't mention, I don't think, bone broth for the the sodium part, but we obviously mentioned it talking about our love for fond. Um, So that's a great way as well to incorporate um, the 
uh, sodium piece of the puzzle. And I think bone broth extends even to, of course, potassium, right. chloride. Right. You're kind of getting all the you things. Get all and the, the whole suite. If you're braising greens in right. your bone broth, then you're really getting all the things because now you're getting your magnesium and calcium yes. as well. Yeah. Um, so definitely something to work on as a post-workout recovery to braise down some greens, throw it in your, your mug of bone broth, and then you know maybe poach some eggs on top. That'd be a really great electrolyte restabilizer. Yes. Um, so let's just dive in a little bit more on on the whole misconception that salt just dehydrates us or causes cardiovascular issues and, and whatnot, or that, you know, if you are puffy and your ring is fitting tighter, it's because you've had too much salt. That's yeah. not necessarily the case. Yeah. Often when people be like, oh, I'm puffy. I had too much salt. I'm like, you had too many inflammatory ingredients. Right. Right. <laughs> and your Correct. body's annoyed. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, not, it's salt. That Get back to that solution to pollution is dilution thing. Right. You know, so did you drink too much? Did you eat too much sugar? Right. Uh, you know, and if you were dining out, it's likely table salt that was used. So, yeah. you know, maybe not the most ideal quality, but it wasn't the salt alone that did right. that. Right. No doubt. Um, so I would just call out, like we kind of did in the world of adrenal and hopefully the connection now of the understanding that electrolytes play a role in the electrical charge and communication of your neuromuscular system, that not eating enough salt can actually be harmful to the body. And when you are hyponatremic or low sodium, that's the kind of medical diagnostic term when we're seeing actual sodium levels low in the blood, um, we can see an increase in glucose levels as well as a reduction of blood flow to our organs. And so this can play a role to oxygenation of the body as a issue or, or lower oxygen flow to our organs. Um, and then we can also see the loss of too much magnesium and calcium in our sweat if we don't have that salt to release. Um, it's funny. I'm just thinking about recently Stella's been on this thing where after I'm like, if she can see sweat on me, it's kind of disgusting, but I'm just going to say it. She'll come up and lick me and she'll be like, ooh, that's salty, mama. Um, and it's hilarious. And I'm like, yep, it sure is. I taste yep. like salt because yep. that's what my cells are releasing because yep. that's an abundant mineral in my body. Yes. Uh, but um, Dr. James uh, DiNicolantio, is that how we're going to say it? That's okay. how we're going to say it. I see him on social all the time, but I've never... Nicole- on Antonio looks like Nicole Antonio. <laughs> yes, I know that's what my brain tried to do. Doctor uh, James D. D. N. Uh, he's a cardiovascular research scientist, and he says that the optimum sodium intake is actually more around three thousand to five thousand milligrams per day for most people on non-workout days. And then we're looking at around 5,000 to 7,000 milligrams on workout days. And so this is a cardiovascular research scientist. Yet when you look at like the DASH diet mm-hmm. or what's recommended still by the American Heart Association, it's to stay under that 2,000 milligrams right. per day. Um, and again, important to call out that when we're looking at a quality salt, like a Himalayan pink salt or what we like to use in our household is the Redmond salt, which we'll, we'll, we'll of course, muse on them a little bit further. Uh, we're going to have still less concentration of sodium per teaspoon. So a teaspoon of table salt has 2,300 milligrams, whereas um, the Redmond fine salt, so it's not like there's space by the coarseness being taken mm-hmm. up, their fine salt is actually at 2,120 milligrams of sodium. Um, and so that, that is showing that there's also higher presence of minerals that you're not going to be getting in your table salt. 
Um, and when we're looking at the influence in the body, we can see, you know, a really diverse mineral profile. So they've actually done elemental analysis where we're looking at trace amounts of lithium and molybdenum and um, phosphorus, as well as uh, silver and um, even getting copper and um, boron, um, various. I mean, we're looking at a table here of what, 40 different minerals, give or take, yeah. um, that are all shown. Manganese, like all of these things that yeah. I see people deficient in yes. all the time. All in their parts per million of their breakdown of their product. And, and what is unique about Redmond Real Salt is that they are mining from caves, um, which is using then ancient sea salt. So when we're looking at sea salt in today's world and Celtic sea salt and you name it, a lot of sea salts can have microplastics, unfortunately, because of the toxicity mm -hmm. in our oceans today. Um, but what's really dynamic about the Redmond Real Salt is that they are mining this from caves. And again, we're looking back prior to industrialized um, lifestyle. And so this is really where we're getting a lot more mineral density, 60 plus trace minerals. And um, we're not going to have the concern of that plastic toxicity. Yes. And, and you know, with those minerals, um, Julie at the Redmond party was showing me, she gave me this like giant salt crystal to take home for Noah. Cause I was like, he loves the salt rocks. And she gave me a huge one that he was like big salt rock mama. Uh, but she was showing me the different layers even within that, that crystal. And she's like, Oh, see that darker, like black layer. Like it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's actually the manganese in there. And this layer yes. is, you know, the, the, um, magnesium and it was really cool to be able to like see that kind of gradation too absolutely and you know when you're getting the lower amount of sodium per teaspoon that's not what we're chasing we're chasing the mineral right. diversity but we're also getting a lot more complexity of flavor and yes. i think that that's what's really cool they actually have we had at our women's wellness retreat um you know these little packs where they had uh, i don't think it was iodized it was non-iodized salt and then their salt mm -hmm. so that you could have a direct comparison table. Um, yeah. yep and it was um really remarkable you you don't have to use as much because there's a lot right. more complexity of flavor right like table salt will taste much saltier and and i have a serious aversion to it now if i yeah. taste that um you know in high amounts versus the redmond which is what i'm used to using in my home um there were a couple of studies i pulled um into here just kind of going more into the demonization of salt and you know cause for oh salt causes stroke or it's bad for your heart health um and actually this one study in 2011 uh published in JAMA, the journal of the American Medical Association, um, looked at sodium intake and cardiovascular events, including stroke and heart attack, um, showed a very different picture. Um, and so individuals that were consuming less than two grams of sodium per day had the highest rates of cardiovascular events versus those with the lowest rate of events, um, we're consuming more like five grams per day of sodium. So super interesting there. Yeah. Again, double what's recommended yep. by yep. the AHA, the FDA, the CDC. Um, but you know, very interesting to see that oppositional influence. And there was another study that was published in preventative medicine that found not only was sodium restriction ineffective in hypertensive patients, those who consumed lower than 2.5 grams, that'd be 2,500 milligrams per day, just around a teaspoon again, had consistently higher blood pressure than those who consumed larger amounts of salt. Um, and so again, it's important to note that we're really looking at other drivers of hypertension 
This could be electrolyte instability. Mm -hmm. This could be excessive glucose levels and blood sugar. In fact, we're seeing the impact of fructose. There's a lot of uh, people in the keto space. And I think we've done a little podcast note on, you know, fructose and insulin resistance being a driver of blood pressure over sodium. Um, So I think that that's really important to note. And I also just want to call out, um, you know, we talked about benefits of the Redmond Real Salt and looking for a sea salt or a Himalayan salt. Um, why we aren't concerned about like what, do we need it iodized and the start of iodized salt and um, you know what's concerning about the iodized products in the first place? Yes. So actually, when we look at like conventional iodized table salt, like I'm thinking of the Morton container that used to be on our shelf um, before my mom took salt completely out of the house uh, when I was a child, uh, but we're looking at that table salt being heavily processed, right? The minerals other than sodium are going to be eliminated or other than sodium and chloride. Um, And then iodine is going to be added back in. Um, And we're also seeing, you know, harmful anti-caking agents, bleaching agents are most often used because you're getting that white, like super, you know, granulated salt. It's all the same. Whereas when you look at Redmond, like you know, there's a lot of color variation, even in yes. their super fine salt in terms of the crystal size, in terms of the color. Um, and there are even like aluminum derivatives added and, and other toxic elements. Um, whereas, you know, real sea salt, it comes from the sea. So there's going to be iodine naturally occurring. And you find that in the Redmond salt. Um, that's also why we advocate for use of sea vegetables that are yes. so, so rich in all of these minerals, but especially really good forms of iodine um, using, you know, the nori sheets I mentioned, um, the sea snacks, and then um, gomasio, I think it's pronounced. Um, It's a a blend of um, seaweed, sesame seeds, and sea salt that's used a lot in like Japanese cooking, Um, but a really fun way to add some mineral richness to like eggs, salads, stir fries, pretty much can put it on anything that would require salt and it's delicious. Yeah. The Half red avocado. Yes. The Eden brand yeah. uh, makes one of those blends. So we'll link it yeah, in our show yeah, notes yeah. on my Amazon store. Yeah. You can check that out, but I love adding that on scrambled eggs or half an avocado. Great yeah. electrolyte boost for sure. And then beyond the red mineral salt, I would say for sure in our households in the Gomasio. Uh, beyond those two, we also lean pretty heavily on the Maldon, yeah, uh, yeah. which is that really fine flake as like a finishing salt. So like once I pull my cabbage chips out of the oven, I'm going to still again, after I've already pre-salted and maybe even mid-salted my roasted veg, I'm still going to flake that coarse salt or on top of a steak after we grilled it. Um, coarse finishing salt. And 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 I don't want to say coarse because it's a light flaky, right, I guess. Right. A light flaky that just like crunches in your teeth. Yeah. Um, it's really amazing. beautiful finishing salt. So we can link them yes. as well in the Amazon yeah. store. So yeah, clearly we're not afraid of salt and clients kind of give me the side eye when I'm like, no, 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 you need to like start your day with some salt. You need to be getting, you know, more salt in because they're dealing with all of these symptoms that I'm like, this is an electrolyte imbalance or we've just, you know, taken you from processed foods to real foods and you've added in some exercise and so you're having increased losses. We really need to replete. Um, And so let's talk a little bit about just some of our favorite ways to like get the recommended amount of salt and, and, you know, other than just licking salt, which is kind of what I do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that a lot in the retreat episode. Uh, And I mean, one of the things that makes me feel really confident in the Redmond Real Salt again is it's 
U.S. origin, and you know it's a single traceable source. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to just be sticking my tongue on any rock nope. <laughs> out there. Nope. Um, you know we have good confidence that this is being mined from the Redmond family, and that this is you know a really quality ancient seabed source. Um, but I love keeping a salt rock on my desk. I have not moved it since retreat, and I lick it between each patient. Uh, we also can make sole, which is like a salt infused water where you can take a couple cups of water, put it in a glass jar, maybe put it outside by the sun ideally, and allow that salt rock to release a good amount of sodium and of course the other trace minerals included in that, and then sipping on that. You could do more of a uh, salt shooter where you're trying to get um, about a half teaspoon in. Um, This could be just directly licked on your hand. So you could just take half teaspoon in the morning first thing and lick that direct or mix that with an ounce of water and take it like a shot and that would work fine. Uh, And then I also recommend uh, mixing that amount of salt in olive oil as an option for like a modified fat field Mm -hmm. fast, Uh, especially in the summer when we don't want to like add butter to our hot coffee or our tea and such. If we do well with a fat fast, uh, I love to do just straight up green tea. And then I like to take a tablespoon of olive oil and about a half teaspoon of salt. And I will use the Redmond Real Salt because I want that mineral density to kick off my day. And I will use their coarse salt though because they have different um, uh, coarseness as far as the fine. Um, I'll use the coarse for that. And then I like kind of just run my finger on the plate and lick it like I'm crunching a breadstick essentially. And that's my favorite enjoyable way to get the salt in. And then over time, um, generally trying to get at minimum one to two teaspoons of salt in daily through what you're cooking and consuming. Totally. Um, and, and pinching it into, you know, your water bottle for the day and putting some lemon or lime juice in there can work. So yeah. you're making like your own electrolyte beverage essentially, um, or even adding, I have clients who add salt to their coffee and enjoy that. I mean, yeah. I always do salted butter when I add Me you too. know, butter to my coffee, um, but I have clients who will add just extra salt um, kind of in there as well, which works really nicely. Well, and we haven't really touched on this, but salt does really well with bitter. Yes. Uh, you know, salt is one of the chemical bridges of flavor, if you will. Uh, we'll link our fun episode we did on the FASS or fat acid salt suite. And we really nerd out about this also in the food as medicine for the whole family program. The importance of if you're gonna eat whole single ingredient foods, We have to recognize that we're starting with a lower base of sodium to begin with because we're not starting with processed products. You know, even conventional chicken is going to be injected with sodium to maintain the turgidity of that meat so that, again, that fluid doesn't leach out into that extracellular space and it maintains in the chicken breast or thigh or et cetera. And so when you're eating, you know, your fast food chicken, you're getting upwards of 3,000, 5,000 milligrams of sodium with just maybe one meal. Um, especially if you're doing um, fries or something like that at that meal as well. Now, when you're eating whole real foods, it takes a lot of work actually to incorporate that much salt into your foods. And it's in it's not only essential for your electrolytes and whole body health, but it's also really important for good flavor outcomes. Yes. So we always say like, if your kids don't like vegetables, it's because you're not adding enough salt right. or fat. Right. <laughs> or cooking them at the right temperature, right? You're making yeah. them soggy and not crispy. <laughs> yeah. So, so definitely check out the program and use that back to school 100 savings to learn more about making food taste good. Um, but I would call that out. And I was thinking in the vein of coffee, like dark chocolate, yeah. like, you know, 
putting salt with chocolate is really important um, because it's going to actually awaken more of the complexity of the flavor of the chocolate itself. You taste the chocolate um, characteristics much more when there's a little bit of salt on the palate. Yeah, that used to be one of my like early keto hacks was taking like a really dark chocolate, dipping it in almond butter, and then putting like coarse salt on top. That still sounds really delicious. I think we need to do or, that after uh, our bone broth. Yep, yep. Or like our raw um, walnut fudge is a fabulous way that's, um, yes. you know, uh, it's topped with with some coarse sea salt. So good combination. Salt we should put and that chocolate recipe and into. magnesium and all the things. Um, yes. And um, let's touch now. So we've, you know, got a subtitle of this episode now of like why we love salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's touch just on electrolyte supplementation. So if we've done all of these things and incorporated these electrolyte rich foods and we're getting enough salt and we're still having some of those symptoms of imbalance. Maybe we're, you know, increasing our exercise or just sweating a ton more. Um, what about electrolyte supplementation? When does this come in? Is it necessary? Yeah. So I think for those heavy exercisers or heavy sweaters, uh, so individual that is regularly using an infrared sauna, for instance, um, individuals that are spending 1.5 hours or more at the gym and are really just kind of pooling sweat, um, it's going to enhance their exercise performance. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially, you know, like also post sauna, that's going to help your body in that detoxification and regulation that you're looking to achieve. So for both of those populations, I think incorporating a clean electrolyte supplement, and especially of course, our high endurance athletes will be a big population. Um, in the elderly population, because too much electrolyte doesn't always work well either. I would absolutely start with foods for and liberating the salt and then you know determine and and watch for timing of especially if they are on a diuretic drug or whatnot um, separating the electrolyte use um, away from that and just starting with what we're looking for is a um, non-flavored non-colored um, just pure electrolyte solution. Often they'll use like seawater in a blend um, or just um, water with the electrolytes themselves or coconut water maybe. Yeah. Yep. So we like the light balance, um, which is a liquid, looks like a little eyedropper. I do always travel with that, especially if we're yeah. like hiking in Hawaii or somewhere where elevation is different, um, like Colorado or whatnot. I definitely find a little bit more of an electrolyte need there. Um, the LMT, LMNT, um, that's Rob Wolf's line out there. Um, the unflavored works. I believe the other ones do use stevia yeah, or stevia Reve or at least. Monkford um, or something, yeah. So I like the unflavored mm-hmm. of that. And then just again, add your own citrus if you want it to be lemon or lime flavored. Uh, and then the Relight through Redmond um, has unflavored as well. Um, and that'd be my go-to option um, as far as a powdered option. Um, it's a fabulous powder that does use coconut water powder as kind of the base. So it's not any binders or fillers or stabilizers. You're getting those 60 plus trace minerals. You're getting uh, 50 milligrams of magnesium, 60 milligrams of calcium, uh, 1200 milligrams of chloride, 400 of potassium and 810 of sodium. And usually that like two to one sodium to potassium ratio is appropriate. Um, and so that would be one to check out too in those ways. But Prior to probably doing an electrolyte supplement, I would first off launch with our Relax and Regulate because this is going to have that magnesium bisglycinate. And of if you're getting your salt in your diet and you're using a quality salt and you're getting that two teaspoons plus a day and incorporating some of the licking and, and such that we're recommending, 
then you probably don't need also an electrolyte. You probably just need that boost of magnesium because remember, magnesium is depleted during exercise. It's what will drive muscle weakness. Magnesium is what is going to be depleted during times of stress. Magnesium is the one that plays a role in production of energy in the body and is really going to be the big player when we're talking about like arrhythmia or cardiovascular function. This is one that would be probably more prone to bringing in to an aging or elderly individual before I would bring in an electrolyte supplement. I would give them that relax and regulate, which has that magnesium bisglycinate and myo-inositol, that myo-inositol further enhancing their blood sugar stability, reducing anxiety, aiding in quality and depth of sleep, which we know, of course, insomnia, restlessness, and anxiety tend to go up as we age as well. Totally. And, And, you know, we've talked many times about how magnesium is the most common mineral deficiency. So that would be the one to go to if you were doing an individual supplement. Yep. Um, What about signs that you've overdone it on electrolytes? I get this a lot from clients, like how many electrolytes do I need? What's the perfect formula? And I'm always like, everyone's input and output is so different and it's, you know, as unique as all of us are. And I can't calculate for you exactly what's going to work on a given day. And it will change like based on the season, based on how much you're exercising, based on what your diet is looking like, based on your exercise and sweating. Um, But just signs to look for that like, ooh, I've been putting, you know, a couple scoops of that um, relight powder in my water bottle a day. Um, is this a sign I've overdone it? What should we look for? I think one thing is that um, things will start to taste salty or excessively yeah. salty, yep. like lit, like where you're you're not um, uh, tolerating the same forms of recipes that you've made historically with similar amounts of salt yeah. used. Uh, yep. Loose stool is a big one that I think of. Both that could be on both ends of the spectrum, of course. Um, but I've had people where, yeah, they were doing electrolytes early in the morning and they were like, I have diarrhea and it was either that or MCT. Yeah. <laughs> Usually those yep. are two things you can kind of wean out. Both. <laughs> yep. yep. Hold both and then see how your bowels regulate. Um, and then we can see other similar responses to what we saw in deficiency. So irregular heart rate, muscle weakness. Um, and, um, this is why we really focus on again, foods first and then maybe layering in that relax and regulate and then kind of going from there. And I, I will note on something we haven't mentioned really directly, um, not only do we crave salt when we generally need salt or especially in a state of like adrenal fatigue or insufficiency or high stress times, but salt itself also can mitigate cravings or reduce cravings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something fun that I've heard from a lot of the women um, of the women's wellness retreat that like, oh, I keep my salt rock in my car because if I'm like pickup time with the kids and I would, would often otherwise like bring a snack for them and be like munching something myself, like I can just lick my salt rock yeah, yeah, yeah. and my cravings are reduced. Or in the evening when I feel like I want... Um, you know, a scoop of ice cream or some kind of sweet treat, the salt can satiate the craving and reduce that impulsivity. Um, And so I think that that's another good technique for all listeners to play with as well. Totally. I have a salt rock on my nightstand. I have one in Noah's room because he like steals them and loves them. I have one at my desk and one in my purse. So... So we will All link the directly these salt rocks that we're talking yes. about. And um, we love the friends over at Redmond. Um, again, we just co-hosted a party with them. We have a great partnership. So also you can use Allie Miller RD when you shop at Redmond and that'll incorporate savings. Um, we use their toothpaste in our household, just an awesome company altogether. So we'll be sure to link their website. And again, you can use the code Allie Miller RD and then we'll also link a direct link that's like the um, ambassador link that will put you right in with the discount locked in. So check out the show notes for that. Yes. Okay. Last but not least, um, just a recipe or two to kind of tie things to, 
together. So what comes to mind first is the um, lemon limeade that yes. we also served at the Redmond party. Um, mm-hmm. But that's been one of my highest recommendations since we made that YouTube video. Um, and we haven't talked about that yet, but we have a YouTube that kind of breaks all of these, you know, electrolyte signs of imbalance and some of our favorite foods down into a condensed like 10 minute um, chunk that you can go over and watch. And then we make this electrolyte lemon limeade beverage that is fabulous and you know something that I feel like a batch of it needs to be in your fridge at all times. Yes Stella whenever she's slightly constipated she'll go oh mama I think I need some of that limeade. Yeah (laughs) it's pretty intuitive and funny and she has that direct association for sure. Um, So that features a scoop of our relax and regulate in there. We use a little bit of raw honey which creates nice viscosity and balances out the acidity of the lemon and lime and then um, we dilute it with a little bit of water and put in copious amounts of the Redmond real salt. So you shake that up and it creates this beautiful frothy viscosity and um, really kind of calls for top off with tequila potentially yep. it's kind of like a margarita it's a, it's a virgin margarita and that's going to be my like labor beverage of choice. yeah i'm going to make that i did a similar version yeah um but i'm definitely going to use that this one's perfect yes yes yep. And then I would think of also, so we mentioned the raw walnut fudge, which we can link that. Um, I would think of our turmeric lemonade. So another kind of version of a beverage is just has more anti-inflammatories in there. So it uses the juice of five lemons, a couple inches of turmeric root, and a couple inches of ginger root. I think I'm going to make this one. I haven't made it all summer yet. And then I'm adding in a little bit of honey, water, and salt. Uh, and then the last one I'll leave you guys with, which I am making this week, is avocado detox soup. Yes, which that was, incorporates, I was going to mention that Yeah, too. the yeah. cucumber, the avocado in there. Um, of course, lots of salt. You can add bone broth in the base to yeah, that. Yeah, that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a really beautiful way. And then you're boosting in your protein and also really amplifying the electrolytes with the bone broth. So hopefully today's episode has given you a couple ways to ensure that you are optimizing your electrolytes and understanding the importance of doing so. As always, as I mentioned, if you can go on over to where you're listening, leave us a five-star review and just a sentence or two of what you're loving. Also go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and be sure to check out our um, back to school webinar, which will be on August 17th. That's free, but when you use the code back to school, you can save $100 on our food is medicine for the whole family program. A really good thing to lock in now, start to kind of watch the videos to get set for a successful new school year for the whole household. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.